You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp, broadcasting recorded from the Vivid Seats studio. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. First-time customers only. Working on a jingle pitch. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, you never know. On the docket for today, as far as I have figured out, is I want to kind of start the process of a 53-man roster. It's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, relax. And then you think about it, and it's like, dude, by the time you get around, I mean, cutdowns are, are uh, they're coming pretty quick. And it's going to be kind of like a few other things that I've said I'm going to do where, um, it's too late, and then I'm sitting there going, oh, jeez, I, uh, I didn't even do that thing. And considering constructing a 53-man roster is like, I don't know, Packers Media 101, I guess I better crank one out here at some point. So similar to what I did last time, where I did like a little mini exercise that was kind of like a 53, but not quite a 53, I kind of want to just continue that and do a little mini exercise, and just kind of see where we're at. Like, you know, kind of leaning this way about this guy, kind of my thoughts on this guy. It's not pre-planned, as always, just going to kind of run through the roster and see where we're at. And I don't know, maybe by tomorrow I'll, uh, yeah, tomorrow I'd like to be a pre- Well, how do you preview? Who cares? There's nothing to preview for a week four preseason game. Maybe we'll just do it tomorrow. I don't know, but I should probably get it done tomorrow. Also, um, this weekend is going to be a mini-vacation. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Ideally, there will be no interruptions. But in case there are interruptions, that will be why. I just thought I'd get that out there now. Leaving Friday. Be back uh, on Monday? So, yeah. There's actually, I think, the exact same thing. Not last, two years ago, maybe? Because I remember I had my wife drive back from um, to my dad's house we're going to in Indiana. But we were driving back, and I had the laptop just trying to update Packernet on all the the cuts that were going on. It's like a tradition. But we'll start with that and we'll see where that leaves us. Speaking of leaves us, I don't want you to get left behind, man. I've been trying to tell you about the draft season-long best ball tournament. $3.5 million in total cash prizes. Top prize is $1 million cash. Meaning, outside of that million-dollar grand prize, there's still $2.5 million worth of money going out. And because you and I are friends, you don't even got to pay for it, man. And you kind of do, but you kind of don't. But as an FYI, for those that don't know, best ball means you do your draft, and after that, you don't have to do anything. No trades, no waiver wires, you don't set your lineup, no management, no salary caps, nothing. They got live snake drafts running every few minutes. Just jump in one, grab your players, set it and forget it, man. It's the easiest investing you'll ever do in your life. Grab a couple stocks and you're good to go. And, limited time only, you can get a free entry into this best ball championship when you make your first deposit, but you got to use promo code PACKERNET. That's a free shot at a million dollars by using promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code PACKERNET. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, first of all, looking at the quarterbacks, this one's going to be tough. So, basically, what we're doing right now is I'm just going to kind of think through this 53. This is me just kind of doing my preliminary, all right, what are we doing, without actually, you know, the hard part about the 53 is you go through and kind of do a once-over and like, all right, I'm going to keep this guy, this guy, and then you get through it and you got like 64 guys, and it's like, shoot, these are the guys I thought we had to carry onto the roster. How am I going to get it down to 53? So you just kind of think through some stuff. But right off the bat, it's kind of a complicated situation because you got Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser, Manny Wilkins. There's just, there's, you know, I practice squad him, I guess. He's a new guy. Just, you know, throw him on the practice squad. Sun Devil, I think, right? I don't know. doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Stay focused. Here we go. But I think in the old days, if this was the Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy days, I would say it doesn't matter that Tim Boyle's better. Deshaun Kaiser's going to be the number two. We've seen, I don't know how many times we've seen quarterbacks that have come in, play really, really well, and end up getting cut for the bigger name draft pick guy. There is currently a quarterback with the Saints that everybody liked. I don't want to mention his name because it still hurts my heart. Who is uh, doing a lot of good for the Saints right now? Kind of a household name, not just for the Saints, but everybody kind of knows who he is. Before he was a Saint, he was a Green Bay Packer. He did really well here. Very fast, very strong arm, very talented, got lots of touchdowns, just kind of generally tore it up, and we decided, no, we're going to get rid of him. We like Brett Hundley better. Even though Brett Hundley's not as good, he was drafted, and uh, we actually traded up to draft him, and we like him, and uh, we're smart, and we don't want to look dumb, so we're going to pretend that uh, this guy's garbage and uh, our guy's good. However, it's new days, and on top of that, they're giving Tim Boyle now more opportunities. They're actually starting Tim Boyle. Now, you can look at that and say, well, maybe they're just switching it up. You know, we want to see Tim Boyle with the, the earlier groups, get him up against better defenses, whatever. We're just shaking it up. But I think if, if, if Boyle and Kaiser both play, if Boyle plays first and gets more snaps for the second week in a row and outplays Kaiser for the second week in a row, I'm just putting Boyle down. I mean, I want to do it anyways just because, I mean, you just, you want the better guy to be the guy, right? I mean, so far, right now, Tim Boyle has completed 60.8% of his passes. Deshaun Kaiser, 56.7. Yards is different because they have different attempts, but yards per attempt, 6.6 for Boyle, 6.5 for Kaiser. Touchdowns, 5 for Boyle, 1 for Kaiser. Interceptions, 0 for Boyle, 1 for Kaiser. They each have one batted pass. Tim Boyle actually has four drops compared to Deshaun Kaiser's two. They both just have one throwaway, and the NFL passer rating kind of says it all. 
Tim Boyle, well, let's do first downs first. 20 first downs for Tim Boyle, 10 for Kaiser. But the NFL passer rating is 113 for Boyle, 73.8 for Kaiser. Manny Wilkins is a 39.6. So, I mean, he's only had five attempts, so give me a break. But, you know, hopefully he can up his 20% completion percentage at some point in his career. But it just becomes one of those situations, and I said this all the time with McCarthy and, and with Thompson and all that, what does a guy have to do? Because, there's, again, there, there's been several times, not just quarterbacks, but other positions where a guy is clearly better but doesn't make the squad. And, I mean, there's there's reasons that can happen. You can look good in preseason, but you don't actually know what you're doing, and this and, that, and that's fine. But, you know, you look at a guy like Kumaro, who, bad example because he did make the team, but it's a situation where you look at it and say, what more does a guy have to do? And if he doesn't make it, then what? That you're basically saying there's nothing he could have done to make the team. And so, again, that's going to be the marker. If Tim Boyle gets first-team reps and is a better quarterback again, first team relative to this preseason game obviously the starters aren't going to be out there but if he's out there with the the best guys you know basically the second team um but on on, you know on the flip side if kaiser goes out then again after because what is that saying after all this after you give tim boyle all those reps and he does better than kaiser against better defensive players or whatever and then we put kaiser back out there because oh we were just trying it out to see what happens that doesn't mean Kaiser is definitively going to be the guy, especially if, you know, Boyle again goes out and outplays him, which will probably happen. But it, again, it just goes back to show it doesn't matter what Boyle's done. We haven't moved him up the depth chart. It still is Kaiser number two and Boyle number three. And so it's it's going to be a little bit more 50-50 in my mind. But that's sort of my general thought. So ideally, Boyle comes out first, Boyle does better than Kaiser, and then I can just definitively put Boyle down. The, the biggest question then becomes, what do you do with Kaiser? Are we just cutting him? Do we try to trade him? Is there a market? I mean, we, we were able to squeeze a market out of Hunley, but we've we've been kind of 0 for 2 lately trying to trying to trade guys. be nice to actually get something for someone. What I don't want to do is carry both. Under under almost no circumstance. I mean, I suppose if you bring Kaiser, you got to carry Boyle. And that ultimately is the problem with this whole scenario. If you bring Kaiser, you're bringing Kaiser because you want to continue to develop him. But you got to also bring Boyle because he's the better quarterback seemingly anyways I mean I, I don't know how you can I, I don't know what else to do at this point other than to say Tim Boyle's a better quarterback yes it's preseason but it's also preseason for Kaiser and he can't get his stuff together it's like I've said several times in the past it's it's more telling if you're bad in the preseason than if you're good in the preseason I don't know what it means that Tim Boyle is doing well in the preseason it doesn't mean much but if you can't do anything in the preseason you know it's a little bit concerning although even that is is whatever but still so again, that becomes sort of the problem. If if you if you bring on Tim Boyle, I'm okay with just having two quarterbacks because then we can just figure out what to do with with Kaiser and it's not a big loss. If you bring Kaiser and cut Boyle, then we do, we got nothing. You're bringing Kaiser because he was you know I traded for him and I don't want to I want to save face and I believe he's got talent in there somewhere. He's just not ready yet. You can't get rid of Boyle though. And you get rid of him, and somebody's going to snap him up, and he's going to be their instant number two, and I don't know. It's annoying. I just I just think you got to, I mean, I, I'm just talking myself into it. You got to keep Boyle and cut Kaiser, I think. If you have to bring Kaiser because you want to keep developing him, fine. I just, you know, I know how this goes with the 53. It's hard to keep going 
you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get all the guys that you want. There's going to be at corner and there's going to be at this position and that position where there's guys that you want. But, oh, no, we got to cut somebody that we really like and really want and really need or put somebody we like on the practice squad and risk losing them, you know, like Kadar Holman or something. I'd like to be able to carry him. I don't want to lose him, but, you know, we don't have space and he's not ready. We'll throw him on practice squad. Hopefully nobody snags him because we got to carry Deshaun Kaiser. I don't know. Uh, looking at the wide receivers, Trevor Davis, Alan Lazard, Darius Shepard, Jake Kumaro, Geronimo Allison, um, Devontae Adams, Equinemius. Well, Equinemius is hurt. Where's Marquez? He's not on the list. Is that because he didn't catch a single pass? What's going on here? I don't know. I don't know why he's not on the list. But Devontae, Marquez, Geronimo, Davis, Kumaro, Shepard is six. I don't know that they're going to carry six. There was a time in which I would have said they need to keep at least six, but at this point in time, I don't know that they necessarily have to. And I know Lazard, a lot of people want to keep him as well. That would be seven. I just don't think that's going to happen. I would be comfortable with six, and I think at this particular point in time, I would keep Shepard, although it's one of those situations where I know he looks good in preseason, but only the coaches would know if the guy's fully ready, right? It's one thing to go out with a very simplistic offense and, and, you know, just be able to run a good route and catch a pass. But if you're not quite up to speed and you're not really ready and you're not in sync with Aaron Rodgers and it's going to be fast-paced and he's going to be out there calling the plays and you're not – just it's not going to happen. you you got to know what you're doing. And we don't know if guys are, are at that, that place yet. If they are, though, you look at Darius Shepard and, and you look at the things that, for example, he was doing with Trevor Davis. And I was setting it up before to say – it's going to be Davis or Shepard, and I think it made sense when there were more wide receivers, you know, when it was more of a competition, and it still may be that way, but I, I really like the idea of having both, especially when you look at the things that were being done with Trevor Davis. It was really, really impressive. Now, Shepard isn't a speedster at all. Apparently, at his pro day, he ran a 4.61, so I, I don't know how that makes him as good as he is, but he just, he is. So I don't know if you're using jet sweeps with Darius Shepard, but for example, the little wide receiver screen to Trevor Davis, which should have been a thing all along because that's a great play for a punt returner slash kick returner, whatever. Punt returner would make more sense. But just to have that kind of versatility, to have a true slot guy, and to just be able to do all different kinds of things in different packages with different people, to have somebody there if Trevor Davis gets hurt, I just think the the ability to be able to open up uh, Matt LaFleur's playbook entirely is uh is a pretty big benefit and he's earned it so so i'm i think at this particular point in time i like the idea of six with shepherd um i don't think it's going to be seven uh, my second option would maybe be six with lazard and then the next option would be five wide receivers with neither shepherd or lazard excuse me lazard i keep forgetting it's lazard so that's kind of where my head's at I, I don't really know as far as going into this game what would be uh, necessary. Obviously, injuries are going to kind of shape this up if there's more injuries. You know, Kumaro goes down, Shepard goes down, Lazar goes Anybody goes down, that that's kind of automatic what's about to happen, especially if it's a, a, a high-end. Obviously, it's not going to be Devontae Adams, but, you know, if Geronimo goes down, now I think it's a necessity that we keep both of those guys and have six wide receivers on the roster because we, we're going to need a little bit more depth to compensate for the guy that went down. That's if Geronimo even plays. I have no idea. Otherwise, I'll probably be keeping an eye on uh, snap counts, I suppose. But, he, he, I mean, even so, we know who the, the bubble guys are. Um, 
So those guys are probably going to be getting a high number of snaps to see what they can do. So it, I, I don't know that they're going to really be able to tip their hand. It's just going to come down to whatever I feel like doing at that point in time. And it's probably what I said I'm going to do, which is have six with Shepard and uh, no Lazard. Either way, though, I'm, I'm content with what it is. Tight end, I, I just, I have no idea. I really don't. I mean, if it's me, I'm, I'm moving on from Jimmy Graham, but the Packers really like Jimmy Graham, which should should have us all excited, right? I mean, it, the way they talk about Jimmy Graham is, is about a guy that clearly is not done yet. In other words, last year was a terrible year um, because it was a terrible year. But you've got a guy who's had great success with tight ends. I went through it all already about how every single tight end on the Titans roster was significantly improved when Matt LaFleur showed up with his offense. This is a tight end friendly offense, not a tight end heavy offense necessarily, although it is a tight end friendly offense in in which tight ends tend to thrive in this kind of an offense. And they're looking at Jimmy Graham's skill set and experience, and they're saying this guy is a must. They're not. It doesn't sound like they're even close to considering. Not only are they not considering cutting him, it's not even close in terms of who the number one tight end is. So as much as I can sit here and, and kick and scream and pout, I should probably knock it off because unless these guys are just a bunch of dummies or an injury or whatever, J- Jimmy Graham is going to be the number one, and he should have a decent amount of success in the offense. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to do with it. I don't know where else the discrepancy would come in. I don't know how they can be so bad at their job to 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 speak and act the way they are about Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham has the exact same year as he had last year. That would really shake my confidence in guys like uh, Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur if he comes out and is just terrible and is the starting tight end, number one tight end all year long. Now, with that said... I don't know how you reconcile the fact that it's important in this offense to be able to be a blocker as well as a receiver, and Jimmy Graham is not a great blocker. Although, it's a slight bit overstated if you look at the uh, the PFF grades for blocking, although he is pretty terrible, he's about as good as anybody else was last year, including Mercedes Lewis, who was a terrible blocker last year. Which I told you guys going into the season last year, the idea that he is just this elite blocker and always has been the best tight end block blocking tight end in the NFL is not really true. He's had years of being at the top, but usually it's either run blocking or pass blocking. He's terrible in one and great in the other. Sometimes he's pretty good in both. Sometimes he's terrible in both. Kind of just depends from year to year, and he's almost never been the number one with the, uh, a few exceptions in one category or the other. Usually it was uh, Gronkowski who was number one in both categories. But either way, he was our, our main blocking weapon, and I'm, I'm hoping he can get back to that. You know, we've, we've got the Jacksonville guy back, and he was pretty good at blocking in Jacksonville, so maybe we can figure something out. I don't know. I haven't even heard his name all year. I don't even know if the guy's on the team anymore. If he, I don't know what's going on. Bottom line is I, 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 I just have to assume... It feels like if somebody's going, it's Mercedes Lewis because I haven't even heard his name, although I feel like he has the most upside in the offense considering, again, the importance of blocking as a primary function but also as a guy that can come off his block and you know go catch a pass once in a while. It just seems like Mercedes Lewis would make sense. The other three tight ends that we're primarily talking about here, Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, Jimmy Graham, they're not super great blockers. Now, being a receiver is the number one priority, and all three of those guys are pretty capable receivers, and I'm, I'm fully intending to keep all three of them. It's just a question of what do we do with Mercedes Lewis. 
We might keep all four. It wouldn't actually surprise me again, considering how heavy. You know what? I'm, we're, we're keeping all four. If anything, we would probably keep five receivers and four tight ends before we would cut one of the tight ends. Just because, again, this is a very tight end heavy offense. We're going to be running two tight ends fairly regularly, keeping Mercedes Lewis as the the more you know the the blocking you know having Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham on the offense is incredibly valuable if we know how to utilize them properly. The question is, do we know how to utilize them properly? And, you know, all the people on Twitter who are putting all these highlights up of Jimmy Graham missing blocks, well, here we go, we don't know how to use Jimmy Graham again. Understand that that is going to be his job. He's going to have to block. You guys all should know this by now. This is how the offense works. If you have a guy that goes out just for one thing, then the offense doesn't work anymore. Remember how the offense works? We, we line up in the same formation every time, and we run plays that all look similar but end up with a different result. That means we're going to run run plays, we're going to run pass plays, and different variations of run plays and pass plays out of this same formation. If you, can own, if you can't run block as a tight end, you can't be on the field. If you can't pass block out of this formation, you can't be on the field. You're going to have to be able to run block and pass block as well as run, run routes. That means Jimmy Graham is going to have to be able to do that. It's just it's a requirement of this offense. You have to be able to do everything. There is no this guy just does this and this guy just does that. It, it's you know it's like the uh, the receiving backs in a sense. While he's on the field, it's going to be a pass because he only comes out to block and 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 catch. Well, then that doesn't work. The, the entire point of this offense is to make sure the defense has no idea what we're doing. And even as the play develops, you don't know what we're doing because all the plays out of this formation are run the exact same way. It's not until the last second when we kind of show our hand as far as which play it is. And by that point, you should be out of your, you know, you don't know what, you're already in the wrong spot. But anyways, again, that that's sort of where my head's at right now, just based on, again, how important the tight end position is. And I, I don't really see... A lot of competition outside of the top four for anybody, you know, pushing for a spot. So I, I think we just keep four. Again, you, I, it, you can't make these official determinations until you actually do a solid 53. But that would be my preliminary thought at this particular point in time. Running backs is also really tough. Um, Aaron Jones is, is obvious. Um, and I think the fact that the Packers apparently were trying to trade for a running back but have had no success as of yet is, is a benefit to the running backs we currently have because they're trying to fix something. And if you can't fix it, then you, you can't just start cutting people because we got to have bodies here. But the question is whose head got off the chopping block by us not being able to grab anybody? Aaron Jones is a lock. Um, I don't think we've seen enough negative from Jamal to cut him. Like the idea that maybe he's gone, I mean, how? I mean, everybody, Trey Carson and, and Dexter Williams have been pretty pretty terrible to the point where there's no way we're getting rid of Jamal. And, and again, the, the biggest issue with running back, and it is becoming an issue, is every single running back is a massive question mark. Aaron Jones is a great running back, but I don't think the Packers want to give him as many carries. I mean, they're going to run the ball a lot, and you don't want to give him the bulk of the load. So if you've got a guy, Aaron Jones, and let's say you only want to give him 13, 14 carries because you don't want him broken down by half the year, who are you going to give the next bulk of carries to? Well, Jamal. Well, what if what if Jamal's not cut out for this? What if Jamal isn't up to snuff, especially with this new run scheme and everything else? Well, Dexter. Well, Dexter's not ready. Well, Trey Carson. Trey Carson's no good either. We're, we're in a bit of trouble here. 
Now, I mean, Jamal's capable enough, but even so, I mean, if it's to the point where if there's any injuries, we just don't have the, the stable of backs that we need. I mean, Dexter and Trey Carson are just not ready. So we've, we've got four guys, and, you know, there's Darren Hall and Keith Ford and, and whatever. We have not had through this preseason, I don't think, any running back that has been any better than average. Not one. So best case scenario, Aaron Jones is healthy the entire season, which is yet to happen. Jamal Williams is, and by the way, Jamal Williams has been injured a lot too. It doesn't get any attention, but that guy's constantly banged up. He's had some significant injuries. And um, so so Aaron Jones is healthy all year. Jamal is healthy all year. And Jamal is a decent enough running back in this offense. And decent enough is is the the is as bad as we can allow this to be because I I really think it's going to be a close to 50-50 split again. As much as Packer fans think you know Matt Lafleur is going to come in and give Aaron Jones the ball 90% of the time, I think part of the reason we saw the split that we saw with Mike McCarthy had less to do with him being a dummy and more to do with him recognizing that Aaron Jones cannot handle this many carries. And I don't know that Matt LaFleur is going to come to a different determination. And if he does, I don't think we have Aaron Jones through the end of the year. And how serious of a problem does this become when Aaron Jones goes down in week seven? And he's out for four or five weeks. And we have Jamal and Dexter. And, you know, and hopefully Dexter and or Trey Carson can can step up. But unless and until we can um, get some relief or find a trade partner or bring somebody else on this is it and and I think we got to keep see I, I guess that's tough because we do have Danny Vitale I was going to say we keep four for sure but then that's four plus a fullback so it's not necessarily full for sure even though they're different positions it's still one of those things where if we're going to keep it's kind of like tight end wide receiver if you're going to go heavy in one you kind of look to the other position and say maybe this is where we lighten the load a bit over here because there's a slight bit of overlap so I, in my mind, we're keeping four running backs. Again, similar to tight end, it's it's a run-heavy offense. So, you, you know, if, if Mike McCarthy's regularly keeping four, I don't see Matt LaFleur coming in with three. So it, it kind of does lean, and again, I'm, I'm going heavy, and I'm probably going to have to start doing some, some cuts at some point. But I would lean toward all four of these guys um, and Danny Vitale, which would be five backs overall. But again, in this in this offense, I could see doing – lighter on wide receiver, heavier on running back tight end, which could mean five wide receivers and, and you know, Darius and Lazard don't make the cut. It's it's entirely possible. Because we're not we're not running the typical, you know, three wide receiver kind of situation that Mike McCarthy ran. We're we're gonna be running a lot more, as Matt LaFleur has even said, twenty one personnel. Well if my math is right, twenty one is two running backs and a tight end, that's three. Add five to that is eight. Add the quarterback is nine. That leaves two wide receivers, correct? So 21 personnel is going to be the base package for our offense, meaning our, our base package, the, the thing that, that Matt LaFleur wants to run out of the most is two wide receivers. That isn't to say we aren't going to have three wide receivers on the field, but, but more often than not, it's going to be two wide receivers. So why do we need six guys on the roster? We don't. Again, this isn't me saying anything definitive, but again, if I'm going to shave somewhere, it's not going to be at running back. It's not going to be at tight end. Certainly not going to be the one fullback we have on the team. And, you know, there's also the possibility of having two fullbacks because of how important that position is. And if you start adding all this up, we need this many tight ends. We need this many running backs. We may need additional fullbacks. Suddenly, wide receiver becomes the odd man out. Especially when you start looking at it and going, these guys are all basically in the same pile. And if we start kicking guys down to the practice squad, it's, it's not as though we can't call people up. 
if if you start getting a rash of injuries, then then you know people move up from the practice squad. There you go. And then uh, as far as offensive line, just kind of you know I guess running through it. Elton Jenkins is obviously a lock. Whether or not he's going to start, as I've already said, he may start week one. He may not, but he will be the starter. I think by the end of the year. That is my expectation. I think Justin McCray stays. Um, again, I, I was extremely hard on Justin McCray, but it was one of those situations where he was a starter, and more than half of the Packer fans thought that he was a, a legitimately talented starter. And so I had to swing the pendulum the other way and really come down hard because you guys are just wrong. He's not good, and he's not. But as a backup, I like Justin McCray. Justin McCray is a solid backup, and he's been the second-best pass blocker we've had through this entire preseason. He's had three straight games in which he was a great pass blocker. Terrible run blocker, but everybody is. Uh, Billy Turner, obviously. Um, Adam Pankey is, is a bubble guy. I, I don't have a final determination on that. I'm, I'm really just running through the list of guys in order based on how good of a pass blocker they are. The fact that he's the fourth-best pass blocker behind Elton Jenkins, Justin McCray, and Billy Turner is great for him. But I, I just don't know at this time. Corey Lindsley, obviously. Lucas Patrick, I don't know. Brian Balaga, obviously. Yash Nijman, I think, has done a phenomenal job. Um, now, obviously, we're, we're down the list quite a ways. But he's he's shown up several times as the, the top guy. He must have had a, a bad pass-blocking week at some point. Maybe it was this last week. I don't know. But I know he's had two weeks where he was like right at the top as far as pass-blocking. So at the very least, this is a guy that's that's developing quite nicely that the Packers are going to want to hold on to. But is that practice squad or or what are we talking about? But you know, it's also one of those things where you know if if he's on par with a, a, a Adam Pankey or a Lucas Patrick, let's just go with the younger guy, uh, Bakhtiari. Obviously, I don't know. It, it's so hard to do offensive line. I know I've looked at this separately and I've I've done this already, but I I just I'd have to see um, by the end of it. Obviously, when you're looking at backup offensive linemen you're looking for guys with versatility so that's going to be important you know if, if you can play as as McCray can which is what makes him valuable as as uh you know Elton Jenkins obviously can do everything on the interior as far as right guard left guard and center I don't know I, I don't really have a ton of thoughts other than I'm going to want to see you know I mean and really who who ends up starting right out of the gate is going to be kind of telling what is the starting offense on you know on Thursday that's basically where we're at at that particular point in time, and that'll that'll give us pretty much not everything we need to know, but that, that should be a pretty good indicator. Then it just comes down to how many are we keeping, but that'll probably be the uh, the biggest point. Anyways, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll flip it over to defense, and I, I think we'll probably be done after that. I think this is this is going on long enough. We'll be right back. Um, safeties again. It, it really just comes down to. And this is really in no particular order, obviously. Why would you start with safety? Because that's just how it came up here. It really just comes down to how many. We, we've got safeties, right? We've got Adrian Amos, we've got Darnell Savage, we've got Raven Green. Those are the starting guys. That's what we know. Josh Jones is gone. Mike Tyson is gone. It's actually a, a pretty interesting situation because, yeah, now that now that Tyson and, and Josh Jones, we, somebody's, somebody's going to make the team. I'm assuming we're not going in with three, so it comes down to, you know, Will Redmond. I mean, Natrell Jamerson has been absolutely terrible, so I, I really don't think it's going to be him. Um, I, I, I'm, at this point, it's, it's pretty clear to me that it's probably going to be Trey Matthews. Will Redmond would be the next one in line only because of his uh, the amount of snaps he's been given. So the, the three guys that have been given a, a ton of snaps are Will Redmond, Trey Matthews, and Natrell Jamerson. 
right? Of the six that are on this list, the, the ones that have been given less reps are Darnell Savage, Raven Green, and Mike Tyson. Well, Darnell Savage and Raven Green have gotten less snaps because they're starters. So that's kind of a t- tips the hand a little bit on who was the, the, on the bottom rung there as far as Mike Tyson, who was cut. Oh, and Amos. I forgot Am- Am- Amos has had less snaps than all of them. But, um, you know, Natrell Jamerson and uh, Trey Matthews and Will Redmond have gotten the most snap- snaps. So these guys are, are near the top. However, Natrell Jamerson has been horrific. He's been one of the worst guys on defense uh, through the preseason. Uh, Will Redmond just has been around a average, I guess, as far as his grade. And uh, Trey Matthews, although he has allowed the highest, if you're just looking at passer rating allowed, he's been the worst safety, but that's that's not super telling. He has got, uh, I mean, he, he's the only other good safety on this entire list outside of Raven Green, who is borderline elite. Raven Green has been phenomenal. That's been very evident just watching it. Um, he, great in every category, but Trey Matthews is the only one. He's bordering on very good, actually. Uh, he's got a, a good coverage grade, a good tackling grade, a good run defense grade. His overall defensive grade is a 78.5. 80s is when I get into the very good. So he's he's borderline very good. The only problem he's got is, is pass rush, but he's only had three snaps in, in pass rush. So if we're keeping four, that's going to be my fourth, Trey Matthews. We're going to keep, obviously, more than three. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. I don't know, but I would assume we're going to keep more than three. We'll see. Um, but I also don't think we're going to keep more than four. I don't know. We'll have, I'll have to look at it. I, again, I'm going to try to get this done by tomorrow. But that's sort of where I'm at. Also comes down to, to what the Packers like. You know, Will Redmond has shown some flashes. He's got, uh, you know, he had two pass breakups in the last game. That's That's got to count for something. You know, again, he hasn't graded out all that well. But, you know, PFF grades and, and what the Packers are looking for in certain situations. And, again, how up to speed you are on the defense, how quickly you're you're learning stuff, your you're upside and all that, it, it, it factors in. But I've only got to work with what I have. I don't have infor- – I'm not in the meeting rooms with them, so I don't know. Linebacker is going to be brutal. I mean, we got to keep Oren Burks on the 53, which is just unfortunate. I, you know, I it, – it's upsetting that I just don't believe in our draft picks. I mean, it's even early on. I've, I've become almost jaded to it. You know, Ted Thompson had so many years of, of drafting poorly that it, you know, a first-round, second-round, third-round guy that just doesn't perform is like, eh, he's just not good, I guess. That's kind of par for the course. Oren Burks was a relatively early-round guy. He was terrible in his first year. I know he's hurt, but he wasn't off to a great start. His overall grade, although, again, only six snaps, which isn't very much, but his overall grade was a 32 that's just disgustingly terrible. Again, small sample size, but in that small sample size, which usually when you don't have many reps, what happens is you have a grade close to 60 because nothing happened. But apparently something significant happened so that in this, in these six snaps that he had, it was really bad. I mean, there are literally only two players who have worse grades so far, and that is my boy Nairo and Mr. Olive Sagapolu, the two guys that I've been saying, they're, they're getting cut, they're getting cut, they're getting cut. Well, the next lowest guy on that list is Mr. Oren Burks. And we're talking about another guy that has a lot of hype. Basically, he's Josh Jones all over again, as far as I can tell. Similar type of player. He's, he's a linebacker that's super fast and athletic, which is what Josh Jones was, but he was labeled a safety. I don't want to completely count the guy out, but I, I just don't like that we're we're treating him as though he's Blake Martinez. We're treating him as though he's he's some elite player that, oh, man, we just got to get him on the field. He's going to be so – he's never been good, and we're going to use a 53-man roster spot for a guy that has never proven to be any good. 
and is currently injured, and that's not a great situation. Uh, I don't know the situation currently with Curtis Bolton, but I think going into it, best case scenario, even if Oren Burks was healthy, although I don't know if they would go to this extent, uh, but I, you know, the, I really think the best pairing is Blake Martinez and Curtis Bolton. And, you know, again, Ty Summers is, is almost treated like Oren Burks, where it's like, okay, Curtis Bolton is kind of the, the big thumper guy. Ty Summers is more of the athletic, speedy guy. So, you know, Curtis Bolton is great on running downs, but he's terrible in coverage. Ty Summers is the guy you want in coverage. Okay, well, Ty Summers has a 43.6 coverage grade. He's been terrible. Curtis Bolton has an 81.9 coverage grade. He's been phenomenal. In fact, he has the highest coverage grade of anybody on the entire defense. Corners, safeties, linebackers, everybody. Number one coverage grade, Curtis Bolton. I wish I could say Ty Summers has the worst coverage grade. It's pretty close, but it's it's definitely not the worst. That would be my boy Nairo, the guy who I don't have any idea why he's still on the team. But um, that's going to be tough. For whatever reason, the, the Packers do not like to keep a lot of linebackers. You would think because things are so dire, you'd want to keep as many as possible. Um, so we got Blake. We're probably going to carry Oren. And you, I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know how you cut Crawford. Because even though he's not super great, with an injured Curtis Bolden and an injured Oren Burks, I don't know that Blake Martinez and Ty Summers is the best situation. Now, maybe what you do is you do Oren Burks, James Crawford, Curtis Bolton, and Blake Martinez as your four. You put Ty Summers on the practice squad. Probably nobody's going to... That that might be the best situation, actually. And then we have Blake and James Crawford all over again. Curtis Bolton, when he comes back from injury, gets you know maybe he gets thrust into it. Then when Oren Burks comes back, then he just comes back, and you know we put him in until we realize that he's not great, and then he goes back out. Whatever, but that would probably be the situation. Uh, edge rusher, I think I think we said is pretty well. I mean, it's going to be the two Smiths. It's going to be Rashawn. It's going to be Kyler. Probably going to carry Reggie Gilbert, even though we know he's not going to be able to do very much in the regular season. He actually hasn't even done very much in the preseason, which isn't a great sign for him, considering that's kind of when he shines. But it's also one of those guys where you know when you when you flash that much in the preseason. I'm kind of curious to see what happens when uh, our outside linebacker coach, Mr. Smith, comes over here just to see if he can kind of develop it. Maybe he can kind of figure out what the discrepancy was between preseason last year and, and regular season this year. I don't know. Let's just see what happens. But again, that, that really just comes down to it's not a super big question mark as to what the rankings are in terms of, okay, if, if we keep one more, it's going to be this guy. If we keep another one, it's going to be this guy. If we keep less, we're going to cut this guy. You kind of know the rankings it's just a matter of how many, and that's going to come down to me doing the 53 and, and deciding how many we want to carry, and then it'll pretty much just answer. It's just a, it's, it's just a question of how many, really. Defensive interior is, is basically the exact same. Um, there's guys that you know you're not going to cut, and that's right about exactly how many you want to carry. Unless for some reason we just need one more, then you got to reach down. And, and But it, it's just, it's there's a giant... A massive gap between the guys that you know you're keeping and the guys that are down here. You know, I if it's going to be one less, maybe Kingsley Kiki or James Looney, these guys. I know people are going to freak out that I even said Kingsley Kiki, but I'm just saying, if, if we're going to cut it back, maybe. But I mean, what are you going to do? King, Kiki's going to get picked up in a second, so he's not going anywhere. Looney, Looney would be maybe the one bubble guy. In other words, if we keep one more, Looney's on. If we cut one more, Looney's off. But, you know, obviously Clark and Lowry and Adams and Lancaster and Kiki, these guys are all all, all going to make it. Corners, I really think, is interesting. It, you know, it's it shouldn't necessarily be that interesting because it's 
kind of similar to defensive tackle, but it kind of comes down to there's a lot of guys that I feel like aren't going anywhere, and I, I think it, it's kind of pushing me more toward Kadar is going to be on the practice squad, unless we're just keeping, I think it was, what, six corners or seven corners, or if we just put Tremont at safety again because that's become a a light situation. I don't like that. Um, if we're going to keep him, let's keep him at corner, right? I, I don't like the idea of putting our second-best corner, and yes, I'm going to continue to call him our second-best corner, at safety, just because we're short at safety and we believe in the upside of a lot of other corners. Baloney. Corner is much more important. I don't need a safety to sit on the bench. I need corners. Now, if you want to carry him as a potential backup safety if things go wildly out of control with injuries, fine. But even then, just put Trey Matthews out there, see what happens, and keep our second-best corner at corner. Unless Kevin King can stay healthy and step up and be a good corner, or Josh Jackson can step up and be a good corner... I just, I don't, you know, we're keeping our guys where our guys are. But Jair, um, Tony Brown, Kevin King, Tremont, Josh Jackson is five. Kadar would be six. And then it's just nobody else. So if we keep six, it's a done deal. If It's, it's if we go down to five that it becomes interesting. What is the nature of Kevin King's injury? I'm assuming it's not that bad, but could we end his season? I doubt it. Uh, Josh Jackson, you know, he didn't have a great year, but, you know, that would be a shocker to the point where after two years or, you know, a year and a preseason, um, Mike Pettin has come to the determination this just isn't going to work, but I doubt it. Again, second-round pick who, by all accounts, was thought to be a first-round guy. If anything, that's an automatic trade because anybody running a zone scheme is going to pick him up in a second, and that would be a borderline blockbuster trade because I, I really think there are a lot of teams who would love to have him. If if he's not working here, it's entirely because of the scheme. But I, you know, that's that's a, a 0.5% chance. Just trying to run through stuff. So then it just comes down to Kadar Holman going on practice squad, Tony Brown getting cut, or Tremont Williams getting cut. Those are the only other options if we go down to five, and those are the most likely options. I think the Packers like Tony Brown. I like Tony Brown. He can't go on the practice squad anymore. So that would be a cut, and I don't see that happening. And again, I legitimately think Tremont is our second-best corner, so I, I would be pretty upset if he ends up getting cut. However, you can see why a team would do that, because you don't want to cut your young guys. right? If you have to cut back, you want to lean on your young guys to step up. But again, from my perspective, it's a matter of the, the talent gap. I'm not cutting. I mean, if Tremont Williams was our fourth-best corner, it would not be that difficult. I, I could understand keeping Kadar Holman and cutting Tremont Williams because of the age if Tremont Williams was four and Kadar was five. That's fine. But I don't think that's the case. And I, I don't think the Packers think that he's number two. I think the Packers think Kevin King is number two. I just think they're wrong. I think they're buying into his upside. They like what he does when he does things well. I just think he's too easy to manipulate. It's too easy to line up across from him and say, that guy can't do XYZ, so we're just going to do XYZ against him all day long and just pick him apart, right? Okay, you, you know, you put him on the fast guy, you can't run your go route. You know, you put him on Julio Jones and you think you're going to win with, with, you know, jump balls and physicality, and Kevin King actually does pretty well, fine. But you tell your guy to stick his foot in the ground and, and you know, run an in route or an out route or anything that involves any kind of agility, and Kevin King just gets carved up all day long. It's not enough to be able to run in a straight line and jump really high to be a good corner. I mean, if, if you have any weaknesses that can be exploited, it's going to be exploited, and Kevin King has several. Now, if he can if he can work that out, if that if he overcomes that, yeah, I mean, Kevin King has the upside to be one of the best corners in the NFL. There's no question, and that's why the Packers like him so much. 
I'm just looking at the deficiencies saying until he fixes this, he's not going to be any good because it's, it's different. I mean, it's, you know, as I've said, there's, there's two kinds of positions. There's ones where you just need to win sometimes. And then there's ones where you need to win every time. If you're a pass rusher and you get two sacks, you had a great day. That means you can lose most of your reps and win on two, and everybody's going to remember how good you did. Now, that's not entirely true. Your coaches are going to see that you were garbage the rest of the game. But still, you're going to stand out like, dude, he had two sacks. right? What, I mean, what is everybody saying about uh, Brian Burns? Dude, he had two sacks in two games. What did he do in all the other reps? I don't know, but two sacks. He's elite. Woo! Right, corner. What happens if you give up two touchdowns? You're garbage. What if you won every one of your other reps? It doesn't matter. You gave up two touchdowns. You're trash. Corner is a position you have to win every single time. Because if you lose one, the ball's coming your way, and you're going to give up the pass, and you failed. You're expected to win every time. So being good at half of your responsibilities is useless. Right? If you're a pass rusher who's really good at some things and really terrible at others, and you can beat your uh, a tackle with just this half of a... Of a uh, of a bag of tricks, then that's fine, right? If you, if you're the best bull rusher in the NFL, and you know they they know it's coming but they can't stop it, and you're just gonna win with a bull rush, then I guess that's good enough. But for a corner, that doesn't work because it's it's not up to you to dictate what happens. It's up to the wide receiver to dictate what happens, and you have to be able to stop it. So if the corner's really good at this, you got to be good at this. If the corner's really good at that, you got to be good at that. That's Kevin King's problem. It's not that he isn't really good at some things. It's that he's not he's he's terrible in some things. He's really good in some areas, he's really terrible in other areas, and it's up to the wide receiver to decide. So it's a simple matter of when a wide receiver lines up against Kevin King, it's a matter of okay, you're going to do this because it's what he's not good at. Again, it's it's like a pass rusher going up against a tackle. It doesn't matter what the pass rusher is good at. You look at the tackle, you say this tackle struggles with this, so we're going to hammer this, 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 this over and over again. Right, he's super strong, and he, you know he's really powerful, but he's slow out of his stance. We're gonna beat him with speed over and over and over. Or you get a Jason Spriggs guy, right? He's he's got all the speed in the world, but this guy he's he's light, he's soft. We're gonna go through him, you know, speed to power, launch out of your stance, get him out of his, you know, get him off balance and hit him right in the chest. He'll bowl straight over. Doesn't matter if you're a tackle and you're good at some things. You got to be good at everything. Because if you're bad at even one thing, they're just going to do that one thing over and over and over and over and over again. And you're just going to keep losing. And nobody cares that you're good at those, those, well, if he did speed, I would have got him. Well, he didn't, dummy. And you lost every rep and you're a failure. So anyways, if we keep six, we're good. <laughs> and then other than that, it just comes down to special teams. Obviously, Hunter Bradley is our long snapper. Um, he's got his struggles. He's been not great, and that's unfortunate. But he's our only guy, so he stays. J.K. Scott, obviously, there's no competition, which is great. And I think he's coming around. He's doing a lot better than last year so far. Hopefully he can keep that up. And then down to the kicking competition, I, I really think it's Crosby. And if it's not, I'm going to be pretty upset. I, I just I don't see what Sam Ficken has done to win the job. I don't see what Mason Crosby has done to lose the job. If you want to go back in time and look at Mason Crosby, then go back in time and look at Sam Ficken. Sam Ficken has a horrible track record. I already went through it. Sam Ficken has been a terrible kicker. Not in camp, but neither has Mason Crosby been terrible in camp. And we've seen what Mason Crosby can do in the regular season. We've seen what he can do in the postseason. We've seen him win several games. Yes, he's had rough patches. So what? We also have case study after case study after case study of teams thinking they're so smart. We don't need Mason Crosby. We don't need this really good kicker. Let's just cut him and save the money because we don't want to invest money in a kicker. And it's an absolute nightmare. And they spend years trying to overdraft kickers. You, you spend draft picks on them when you shouldn't. You go out and pay money to guys that you shouldn't. 
and you get stuck in these competitions and you end up losing games and, and as Packer fans we sit back and laugh and now we're going to try to do the same thing. No thanks. We'll keep Mason Crosby. We'll cut Ficken. The Bears can go ahead and pick up Ficken and he won't be any good because he hasn't been good. Go look at his track record. Go see what he did with Seattle. Go see what he did with whoever. He does not have a good track record. Mason Crosby is the guy. Thank you very much. So anyways, thanks for walking through that with that little thought process. Um, Again, it it all kind of comes full circle when the 53 comes out, but I guess that'll be a little bit of a preview of where my head's at in terms of, you know, numbers and and personnel. But um, anyways, that'll be the tentative plan for tomorrow is to, and it'll kind of work to our benefit because if you do a 53, there's going to be some some questions and that'll kind of help do a preview. In other words, the, the preview for tomorrow is going to be, I want to see from this guy, this guy, and this guy to see if they should stay or go or whatever, right? Makes sense. Anyways, other than that, uh, I think we're good to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.